When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for another epic debate. It is going to be a fun one, folks. And by the way, if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, I'm your host, James Coons. We are a nonpartisan channel. Our goal, our vision, is to give everyone their fair shot to make their case on an equal playing field in the topics of science, religion, and politics. And so we'll have plenty more debates to come. Thus, if you're sick like us and you love these controversial debates, consider hitting that subscribe button as we have many more to come. And with that, we're going to get into today's event. It's going to be a lot of fun, folks. We are basically going to have a typical format where it's a couple of statements up front, then some statements later on. I will let Dwayne explain more about the format, but there's going to be a lot of open dialogue. And I want to let you know as well, all of our guests are linked in the description. So if you're listening and you're like, hmm, I like this Smokey, or hmm, I want more of Brenton, you can hear plenty more of them at their links that I have put in the description for you folks. And also... If you happen to have a question, feel free to fire it into the live chat, as I will be looking in the live chat for each and every question. If you tag me with at Modern Day Debate, it makes it easier for me to get every question in that list. Also, just want to let you know, because we have had a lot of, don't get me wrong, we appreciate all the support, but we have oftentimes during our Q&A had a lot of silly super chats and we don't want to basically we don't want to be modern day super chats we uh want more serious questions and so if you can fit a serious question into a two dollar super chat we'll absolutely read it and it's a serious question so for sure if it's something silly like Dwayne burke 2020 well that in that case we appreciate the support and the silliness but we were just we're only going to read the silly super chats is that we're raising the price to cut them down so it's a five dollar that's the only way we're going to read those super chats and so we appreciate it but like we said we do want to have more serious questions during that time last before we kick it over to Dwayne to get us started on the actual format of the debate and for him to kick it over to the speakers want to mention i have put a google doc in the description folks We have big plans for the future, and in that Google Doc, if you have dream debates that you would like to see with people on YouTube, people who you know regularly debate, and they're known for being tough debaters, for example, you'll see Matt Dillahunty in that list, if you go to that Google Doc that's in the description right below the speaker's links right now, you can add your dream debates that you'd like to see on Modern Day Debate, as we really want your feedback and we want your hand on the wheel of the channel in terms of where it's going in the future. So with that, I'm kicking it over to Dwayne. Thanks so much, Dwayne, 
for helping us moderate tonight, and the floor is all yours. Yeah, thanks for that, James. I'd like to welcome the debaters, Smokey and Brendan. And the format of the debate tonight, people, is a 10-minute openers, followed by 50-minute open discussion, followed by uh, wrapping up, and then Q&A. Yeah, and, and I'll switch um, you back we'll, we'll also uh, introduce ourselves in case people are just now meeting us right beforehand, right? Yes, Absolutely. I will say yes. Yes, Brenton, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. All right, cool. Um, so do you, we ready to go or? Is Dwayne frozen? We will kick yeah. it over to Brenton for his opening statement. Thanks so much. To the opening yeah, statement? Okay. Just before I start on the opening statement, by the way, um, I just wanted to say um, my channel is like less than 50 subs away from breaking 1,000. So it, it, please do go in and get that done. Also, uh, my comic Snow White Zombie Apocalypse uh, has been nominated for not one but two Ringo Awards, um, which is really exciting. And the, the third issue we're going to be launching a Kickstarter for very soon. Um, and we'll kick it over to you. Sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. You want to kick it over to Smokey for his? Yeah, no, uh, just for a mild you. introduction, because, of course, I know Brenton's going first with his introduction. I appreciate you volunteering, man. That's awesome. Uh, that's good. And I figured we could have gone it either way, so I appreciate you, man. Uh, yeah, there's just Smokey Saint here. You guys know who I am. I'm probably one of the more hated on Modern Day Debate by a lot of the atheist trolls, so I'm happy to be here yet again to trigger a whole new set of people based upon political topics instead of theological. So if you guys are ever interested in some of my content or what I have to say on theological issues, please come on over it's a fun time we do open mics all the time and we like to get challenges and questions and comments so come on over so right we'll start off with brenton for the first 10 minute openers absolutely once there was a traveler who spoke these words in sorrow to his host in recent years there have been unusual disturbances in the heavens, strange occurrences on earth, famine and pestilence, all affecting every corner of the empire and spreading throughout the land. When a nation becomes disordered, all the people of the nation become disordered and the common folk face annihilation. The ruler, the high ministers, and hundreds of other officials all quarrel with one another over right and wrong. Though in the past, the rulers of the state may have practiced wisdom, if the ruler sees the correct teaching is in danger of perishing and stands by idly without doing anything to protect it, then all the inestimable roots of goodness will be entirely wiped out, and this country will become the scene of three inauspicious occurrences. The first is high food prices, the second is warfare, and the third is epidemics. Although the ruler may issue commands, the people will not obey them. The country will constantly be vexed by other nations. Violent fires will rage out of control. Fierce winds and rains will abound. The waters will swell and overflow, and the inhabitants will be blown about by winds or swept away by floods. If the land and the people are disordered, to where can one flee for safety? If you care anything at all about your own personal security, you should first of all pray for order and tranquility throughout the four quarters of the land. Selectively quoted from Nietzsche and Daishonin, July 16th, 1260 AD. So 
I don't know if anybody's noticed, but between the global pandemic, the worst economy since the Great Depression, and the near constant stream of police brutality, followed by protests and riots, followed by even more police brutality, prompting even more protests and riots that now also somehow have the added problem of creating a cycle of constantly ex escalating extrajudicial murders and reprisal murders between protesters, counter-protesters, and police as a chaser. But there's an election coming up in November probably the most important election of our lives, and certainly the most important in recent American history. This coming November, the American people will choose between a doddering, senile, septuagenarian with a history of sexual assault and a doddering, senile, septuagenarian with a history of sexual assault. And yet somehow I can repeat without even a hint of irony that it is nonetheless likely the most important election of our lives. I'm reminded of the old curse, may you live in interesting times, and indeed, these times are interesting. So what is there to say about the possible re-election of the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump? I think the unique thing about Donald Trump that works in his favor as a politician is that he is quite frankly one of the most evil, corrupt, incompetent, and downright stupid human beings to ever walk this earth. There is so much wrong with him and his administration from the fact that he uh, is obviously in the early stages of dementia to his, to his sociopathic inability to control his impulses, sexual or otherwise, to his well-known and well-documented mafia ties near constant peddling of dangerous conspiracy theories that have directly led to violence, mayhem, on, and death on more than one occasion, his incredibly stupefyingly weak, vapid, and bungling approach to foreign affairs that have led to the betrayal of America's military allies and overall weakening of our position as a global superpower, to his half-hearted and denial-laden response to the COVID pandemic that has killed 187,000 Americans and counting while simultaneously crashing our economy and prompting the looming evictions of a particular of a predicted 30 to 40 million Americans from their homes. And I'm not even scratching the surface of this man's faults, foibles, and failures. Ironically, I think this is what protects him. When you look at Trump and what Trump has done as a private citizen, a businessman, and now a politician, it is nearly impossible to wrap your mind around all of it. It's like that scene in The Simpsons where Mr. Burns goes to the doctor and learns that he has all of the diseases. In fact, his body is so diseased that no germ can begin the infection process because they're all stuck in the door like the Three Stooges. He completely short circuits our media and public institution, and no watchdog can hone in on one thing long enough to bring him down. This, I think, is what has given him the ability to survive scandals that would have ended any other presidency many times over. And so, as tempting as it would be to simply spend my time listing his various horrific crimes and character faults, like the probable rape of a 13-year-old girl in his friend Jeffrey Epstein's Manhattan apartment, or the fact that he, like the international cuck he is, allowed Russia to place bounties on the lives of American troops fighting in Afghanistan and did nothing about it, I think we need to focus here. And so I want to point out three things that will prove definitively to anyone with even a shred of decency why Donald Trump absolutely cannot be reelected this November. To a Democrat, to a Republican, to an independent, this man cannot remain in office. The first is the fact that he stole children from their parents and put them into literal concentration camps. This was the brainchild of white nationalist Stephen Miller, who despite the Trump administration's record turnover rate of government officials, 415 dismissals or resignations as of May 25th of this year, is somehow still employed. 
This tactic of family separation was intentionally meant as a means of terrorizing desperate Central American families, many of whom were legal asylum seekers at our southern border. This was admitted in an official DHS response to Reuters that came out shortly after the policy came to light. Quote, the Department of Homeland Security continually explores options that may discourage those from even beginning the journey. This separation is intentional. It was purposefully intended to inflict terror on these families and has resulted in the destruction of thousands of them. Breastfeeding children were literally stolen from their mother's arms. The trauma and social fallout from this level of evil is almost incalculable. Now, I'm the father of a toddler, and I cannot express the trauma, fear, and rage that a parent would go through from something like that. To say nothing of the fact that to separate a young child from their parents at, their, at that young of an age has been shown to cause irreparable brain damage in many cases. You have broken families and brain-damaged children who are now going to grow up, and everyone who interacts with them will have to deal with the fallout of that because of the corpulent vapidity and naked cruelty of the Trump administration. But it gets worse because of course it does. We have known for some time that Trump and his cronies specifically choose to provoke disorder in our streets. Melted fascist candle Steve Bannon, who is currently in jail for defrauding millions of idiot racists with his build the wall scheme, straight up admitted that his goal of announcing the Muslim ban on a weekend was a deliberate attempt quote, so that the snowflakes would show up at the airports and riot. And in case you think that this attitude left with Bannon, Trump himself has praised chaos and conflict as one of his go-to strategies on more than one occasion. Quote, I like conflict. I like watching it. I like seeing it. I think it's the best way to go. Look out the window, turn on the news. Everyone who's mad about the continued protests, the Trump administration wants this chaos in our streets. They want looting. They want these shops destroyed and buildings burned and people killed because they think they can use it to their advantage. They want Americans at each other's throats because they think this will frighten their base into reelecting them come November. Don't fall for it. The fact is these people constantly put their own lust for fame, money, power, and control above the lives of the rest of us. It is a deeply cynical, stupid, and dangerous strategy that already has Americans killing other Americans left and right. I was in the streets protesting under the Obama administration with Occupy Wall Street, and I can tell you from personal experience what a shit show those years were, but nobody died because those in authority were not intentionally trying to make things worse and trying to set people against each other on a massive scale. Trump cannot be reelected because if he is, he will continue this behavior, and that will lead this country straight into open civil war in the streets. We've already got car attacks, killings, and reprisal killings playing out, and things are only escalating. Finally, Trump cannot be reelected because he has proven that his presidency is above the law. The Russia investigation and the Ukrainian whistleblower found, both found that the Trump had objectively violated both national and international law. Unfortunately, American democracy has placed the office of the president above national and international law, with the coward Robert Mueller admitting that though he found uh, at least four acts by Trump, in which were elements of obstruction of justice were legally satisfied, which is attempting to fire Mueller, directing the White House counsel Don McGahn to lie and create false documents about the efforts to fire Mueller, attempting to limit the investigation to future elections, and attempting to prevent Manafort from, uh, from cooperating with the government, Mueller declined to make a traditional prosecution decision about obstruction of justice because he was bound by the G DOJ policy, the very wise policy, that a sitting president cannot be charged with a crime. In fact, Mueller thought it would be improper to even accuse Trump of committing a crime so as not to preempt the constitutional process for addressing presidential misconduct, meaning impeachment, a particularly gutless decision to my mind and one that he deserves to be thrown out a window for. A first floor window, but mind, mind you, you know, but a window nonetheless. 
Similarly, Trump was found to have engaged, uh, endangered national security and the security of one of our allies, all in the name of this made up conspiracy bullshit. And it didn't matter because Republicans control the Senate and the Democrats are cowardly process obsessed doofuses who don't understand power and have no idea how to deal with an opposition that does not play by the rules. Now, I've worked as a manager and as a coach and an, an international wilderness guide. And one of the first things I learned about leadership and consequences is that if consequences are not followed through, it's not long before those boundaries are ignored entirely. And in the hands of a sundowning sociopathic narcissist with holes in his brain, obsessed with the appearance of strength and power, all to serve his own aggrieved need for self-aggrandizement, the amount of damage a second Trump term will do is close to incalculable. In a single phrase, this is it, folks. The point is, there is a lot that the USA has done wrong, but there is also a lot that we got right. We are the country that asked George Washington to be king, and he refused the throne. Trump and his patriots aren't making America great. They are actively destroying it. These people have thrown out the baby and are champion, championing the bathwater, and that is a damn shame. If we intend to keep this political, social, and economic system, then we are in dire need of real people, of courage and integrity, to step up and make this man suffer the consequences for his Time. actions. Thank you. Do not reelect him. <laughs> oh, no, handed over to you, because that was over time. Disregard that last statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well now handed get... over to Smokey for his first ten-minute openers. Beautiful. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much. Well, Brenton, I'll give you credit, man. You are a fellow wordsmith in some of your <laughs> uh, opening. I appreciate that. Very apocalyptic. Oh yeah. In some regards. <laughs> um, I'll address just a couple things in the opening, but I kind of want to get to my side of the opening. I had. Um, I'm probably not going to end up using all of it, uh, but essentially, kind of what I was seeing was lots of attacks against President Trump, not really anything about like why Biden is good or if he's a better choice or if he's a more viable choice, just seemingly a lot of a very heavy emotional angst against the current state of affairs. Now, we can have lots of discussions and debates, I don't think many of which probably boil down to this particular topic about where the blame falls based upon whether the president's you know primary nationwide policies are directly in effect to domestic uh, de democratic policies, where a lot of this uh, strife and upheaval is actually occurring. It's happening in, in these realms, in these cities, these urban districts that are primarily run by Democrats who set the policies in those cities. And this is where we're seeing a major failure, both in the nature of the response to the COVID um, epidemic, as well as uh, actually handling uh, civil unrest. So to try and just, you know, extrapolate that back onto Trump across the board seems to just, to me, be a little bit off placed and a little bit reaching, but I understand. What I was hoping maybe was to see a little bit more of a promotion to the other uh, entity, the opponent, but I saw really none of that. In fact, I saw you uh, just so colorfully admit in your in your opening that they're basically essentially the same type of garbage. So, uh, well, we can at least agree with that on half halfway through. So. But I'm going to go ahead and get to, we'll probably unpack some of your op opening as we actually get into uh, our discussion. So let me just kind of move towards into mine and what I had prepared. Uh, bear with me just a moment. Boy, it was long. Okay, so I want to first go into talking a little bit about Biden. 
Um, and of course, I think in order to propose a pretty balanced um, argument, I should both speak about the opposition and also the incumbent. And I should try to be pretty direct with my points on both and give you a good reason to disregard one and a good reasons to accept the other. So let's begin with a little bit on Biden and about how he is pretty much a crook and a danger to foreign policy. Uh, Viktor Shokin, the prosecutor general of the Ukraine, has testified under penalty of perjury that he was fired because he was getting close to his investigation of Burisma, of which Joe's son, Hunter sat on the board. Burisma was long suspected as a crooked entity, and the lead prosecutor on their case was fired. And why? Because Daddy Joe threatened Ukraine to withhold aid unless they delivered the firing of the prosecuting prosecutor looking into the crooked company on which his son sat on the board. We know this by Joe's own public admission, by the way. He wasn't even shy about it. Was Hunter even qualified for this position with a seven-figure salary? No. He has never sat on any energy administrative board in his life, as far as we know, taking from his own words. He was little more than oblivious, coked-out, junky pawn being used to leverage Joe's political position for financial gain and political favors. For all the falsified claims of the leftists about Trump's collusions with Russia, Joe himself actually admits publicly the quid pro quo that Trump was so viciously and unfairly accused of multiple times. There's lots of talk about Trump being favored by Russia leadership, but I hear very little about Biden being favored by China and Iran. Trump and Russia have been proven to be one of the biggest nothing burgers of all time. Truth is, Trump has never been harsher on Russia, China, and Iran than Obama and Biden ever were, with sanctions against individuals and organizations. As example, the Iran nuclear pact passed by Obama administration was so lopsided toward the mad mullahs and dangerous to Israel and the rest of the world that even Schumer himself opposed it. Trump kept his campaign promise to scuttle it and reimpose harsh penalties that have helped to cripple Iran's economy and their threat on the Western nations and, of course, America. Biden's actions in government and his passivity to the threat of China has helped them attain their goal of being a top economic power. Biden endorsed nearly every trade deal with China, no matter the damage to the American infrastructure or the hollowing out of American manufacturing that Trump has been fighting to help strengthen again. Trump also applied sanctions to Chinese leaders for abusing human rights, arresting alleged spies, and ending special privileges for Hong Kong, something Biden never cared about nor pushed for. Unlike Trump, the Obama administration was ridiculously passive to China's military posturing in the region. The hypocrisy of assuming Trump as a Russian agent with no evidence, while the evidence overflows against the Biden foreign collusion, is just staggering. Big surprise, Joe's junkie son Hunter was also involved in several shady deals as a board member of the Beijing-based BHR Partners investment firm. Knowing how useless Hunter actually is, it is hard to imagine he had this position for any other reason than his father's political influence. Now to carry on the next point. Biden is clearly a mentally unstable man bordering on pure senility. I'm not sure how many examples I should give here. You need only type into Google Joe Biden gaffes and you'll come across a plethora of embarrassing and cringeworthy content. From talks about boys rubbing his hairy legs and insults about people being a lying dog-faced pony show. He seems he can't show up to anything without putting his foot in his mouth. He also has seemingly racist tendencies in his thinking as he was quoting comparing poor kids to white kids. Additionally, in his attempt to prop up Obama, he quoted in, as saying the following, and I quote, I mean, you got the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and nice looking guy. I mean, that's a storybook, man. 
Yes, Obama, yes, Biden said that. Even Obama himself seemed to have had little faith in Biden. He withheld the support from Biden until nearly the last minute after he had already been selected in the primaries. You would think that Obama would have spoke up during the primaries if he thought his old running mate was really worth it. Makes you wonder why any member of the common public should have any faith in him either. His scandals are more publicly known than any of his supposed political policy achievements. The man is truly a disaster waiting to happen in the presidency. And with that said, I'd like to move in and talk a little bit about Trump. And unlike my opponent, I'm not just going to attack the incumbent and basically pose you know, the lesser of evils. I'm actually going to give you some things to work with here that are positives of why Trump is legitimately good for the country. Um, and here we have, I want to talk a little bit about his success with the economy and jobs. And by the way, let's go ahead and separate the COVID argument from this right now. We've been having a crisis and any president undergoing this crisis would have struggled with what it would have done to the economy and how to handle it. But if we want to talk about COVID and what it's done and you want to try to blame it on Trump, fine. I'm ready to argue it. But for the sake of these stats and what I'm reading out, this is kind of for the sake of a normalized economy that isn't going through an epidemic crisis. So Trump passed the first major tax reform signed in nearly 30 years. He provided tax relief to 82% of middle class families. He cut taxes for small businesses by 20%, providing $415 billion in tax relief for small business owners. He alleviated the tax burden on over 500 companies who use those savings to fund bonuses, wage increases for four 4.8 million workers made U.S. companies competitive on the world stage, lowering the corporate tax rate from one of the highest in the industrial world, 35%, down to 21%. The U.S. gross domestic product growth has soared under President Trump, topping 3% in four quarters under his administration. 2018 annual GDP growth was 2.9%. In the first quarter of 2019, GDP growth was 3.1%. President Trump is unleashing economic growth and jobs since election, the Trump administration's pro-growth policies have generated 6 million new jobs. The unemployment rate had fallen to its lowest point in 50 years, and wages had grown at more than 3% for 10 months in a row. The manufacturing industry created nearly half a million new jobs. 625,000 new construction jobs have been created since President Trump took office. Hispanic, Asian, and African-American unemployment rates have reached record lows under President Trump. There are more than a million more job openings than unemployed persons in the U.S. The Trump administration prioritized the economic empowerment of women at home and across the globe. The Trump administration launched the Women's Global Development and Prosperity Initiative, the first ever whole-of-government approach focused on advancing women's full and free participation in the global economy and allocated $50 million for the fund. And now I want to continue to some of his successes with foreign policies. Trump ordered an airstrike last January that took out Qasem Soleimani, the murderous Quds force commander, force commander in an act that demonstrated the president's willingness to confront Iran's aggression in Iraq and throughout the region. This act was preemptive with threats against the American people and Western countries. Well, this murderous swine was taken out before any of his plans could be implemented. And despite the fear mongering of the leftist media, no retaliation occurred and no World War III happened. But instead, a new level of respect for the response. One minute remaining. To foreign threats was brought forward, and we have respect on the world stage in this regard that many preceding administrations could never accomplish. Biden himself admits he would not have approved this mission, and he predicted it would lead to further war. He was wrong on both counts. In his first year in office, President Trump took action to protect America's critical steel and aluminum industries, which were harmed by unfair trade practices and global excess capacity that had been catalyzed by the Obama administration. Um, 
The president kept his promise to roll back Obama administration's bad deal on Cuba that benefited the Cuban regime at the expense of the Cuban people. The Treasury Department and State Department placed sanctions on Cuba to channel Cuba to channel economic activity away from the Cuban government, particularly the military and towards the people of Cuba. Plus, Trump is also fighting China in ways that, of course, Biden never would. In response to China's rampant trade cheating, the Trump administration has placed 25% tariffs on approximately $250 billion worth of products that are supported by China's unfair industrial policies, which, of course, Biden and the Obama administration helped to force on the American people. Um, and with that, I do have a lot um, more I could go into domestic policies and the rest. But you know what? At this point, I'll yield. Uh, thank you so much. And we'll now go into open discussion for 50 minutes. Awesome. So um, I wanted to respond first off. Yeah, there's a reason why I didn't uh, uh, go into supporting Joe Biden, because Joe Biden is garbage. Um, and you are right in uh, pointing out, for instance, the corruption with his son. You're completely wrong about what he did, what he did being illegal. Trump uh, withheld the aid for personal reasons and did not go through the proper security apparatus to make it done, instead sending uh, his lawyer Rudy Giuliani uh, and several other like shady people to carry out these kinds of things. And as a result of withholding that aid, Ukrainian soldiers died. And America's position and the position of the Ukraine, America's ally, severely weakened. Um, and uh, the position of uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, Trump's you know uh, man crush, uh, got a lot stronger. Similarly, we saw the same thing happen in when Trump betrayed the Kurds uh, in Syria. Um, and he ba all he had to do was leave American troops there. We weren't even fighting anyone. We didn't have to actually deal with shooting by our presence. We prevented a Turkish attack and kept everyone focused on the enemy, which was ISIS and Assad. When Trump pulled out those troops for no good reason, we had a direct attack. We had allies fighting allies with the Turks uh, attacking the Kurds. And from with that attack, what wound up happening was the Kurds wound up signing a deal with Assad, who is allied with Vladimir Putin. Again, weakening the United States global uh, position and strengthening Russia. The airstrike uh, that, that took out um, the, the Iranian general happened for no good reason. There was no direct threat. And it did nearly cause World War III. And the fallout of that has been to strengthen ties bet between Iran and uh, China. So again, what's happening here is that if you are for the United States as a global player, you, are, you, you do not want Donald Trump running things because he's incompetent. He says he's going to end the wars in Afghanistan. We're still in Afghanistan. We're still in Iraq, despite everything that he said. And when he tries to do anything, like he, I'm glad that this failed because it was a criminal enterprise. But when he tried to um, overthrow the Maduro government, the only reason that failed was he was just lazy and incompetent and didn't it didn't Brenton, if i may just, enough just, win like for I, just yeah. a second there, there's kind of a lot being thrown out there just just real quick uh, like you had said that like it was an issue that trump had pulled out the the um our troops between the kurds and the turks he, hadn't, well, he pulled them back he hadn't power. pulled them out Okay, right. Thank you for that. Um, so, so, but you also say at the same time that like Trump has been saying he's pulling out troops, pulling out troops, and then you criticize him when he pulls out troops. So, I, I mean, the, like, the is this is... just one of those things where you're just not going to give him credit no matter what? I no, mean... no. I, I, the thing is, is that I, I would have 
I would have praised him if he'd pulled us out of Afghanistan because Afghanistan is where empires go to die. No one can hold Afghanistan. Destroyed the British East India Company. It destroyed the USSR and it's destroying us because you can't control mountain folk. Um, the point was with regard to- Well, are they, us, do you think that's what we're trying to do is control them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is the American empire. Um, well, like part of it is we have these perpetual wars where we like want to win and wave our dick around in the world. But like also there's some- Well, you say that, but like these, these countries like aren't any threat at all to like world security. Like, like that there's no real reason to be over there other than financial gain. Is that really the position you're taking? Yes. That's absolutely the position I'm taking. Really? Yeah. There's like all, no all, so all the atrocities and Trump's attempts to actually change policy in these regions to promote personal liberties, that's somehow just well, a way to get money. He's not promoting personal liberties in the same way that we did. Well, he is. Did not get, he's no. he's go, constantly going to these, tr these countries and promoting. He even did it uh, recently for the Nigerian president against the, the persecution that's going on. Okay, well, now we're minorities. pivoting to Nigeria. Now, well, I'm just saying, mm -hmm. I mean, he's been he's going all over the world and he's he's trying, including the Middle East. And this is I was going to get to that. He also went to the Middle East and was preaching against um, the uh, the onslaught of Christians. And well, I uh, mean, yeah, and, I get what you're saying here. But now you're pivoting to Trump's like personal cheerleader rah-rah actions, which well, this is policies. Way, is, this is policies he's going out not, to promote. Yeah, to it's not purport. policies. The, the policy of keeping American troops in uh, Afghanistan and in Iraq have been disastrous. They've been killing Americans for How do you decades. know the contrary wouldn't have been disastrous? Because, well, first off, I don't know because you can't know the future, but I, there was no good reason to invade Afghanistan. There was no good reason to invade Iraq. Well, he Neither didn't one, really, as far as I know, I think that was Obama, wasn't it? No, that was and Bush. kind of got stuck into that, it. That was well, Bush. How okay, old fine, it was Bush. Uh, I'm 37. Okay, yeah, that's the same age. How did you not remember that it was Bush? Yeah, like, I, I, I <laughs> slip of the brain, brain fart. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll <laughs> sorry. That, well, I, I mean, give me credit because we've been in and out and in and out for, yeah. let's face it, three decades. Give me a little bit of, I mean, we're-, we're No, it's, it's about fair about enough. It's, it's, it's sometimes when I when so. somebody doesn't remember that Bush invaded Iraq, I mean, if I just, you want to say, yeah, if you want to say Bush, no, I'll concede, bro. It's absolutely true. I'm not, yeah. I wasn't trying to hide that. It was just a brain moment. You sure. Know? No, I understand. So so my, my point is, is that- um, like, And by the way, no love for Bush. Let me go and throw that out there. So Bush is a war criminal. He should be. Yeah, but Bush up. is Bush is straight garbage. So let's yeah. put that out there. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So anyway, um, the in these invasions were not effective, and they didn't really deal with the problem, which was international terrorism. Right. Um, and they created the situations like ISIS. Right. Now, the the thing with Syria in particular, we actually handled that really well for quite Agreed. a while. Um, uh, that was until we ceded to the Russians, and I'm particularly worried about about that uh, in, in general because we have seen Putin we know that he's from statements he's made he's looking to rebuild essentially the ussr borders of russia i agree i agree that his threat in that region is something that needs to be addressed and i also believe that trump is working to address it I the, the thing is and, trump explicitly ignored it and like when he was putting those i think it was a hundred thousand dollar bounties on american soldiers uh, to have the Taliban kill Americans. Trump didn't do anything for months and kept refusing to admit uh, what his own intelligence people were telling him that this is happening. He said, no, no, you know, Vladimir Putin told me 
that it, Putin has Trump wrapped around his finger because Trump is an insanely weak individual. And when he sees a more powerful person, it reminds him of the father that never gave him love, probably, and uh, winds up falling all over them. Well, if it's Vladimir yeah, but, Putin or or freaking Kim Jong Un, if, if I may, it kind of. But this sounds a little bit assertive because because I mean, uh, you if you're going to blame Trump for his um, lack of assertiveness in the Middle East, I mean, you certainly you're going to blame Obama as well, then, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, screw Obama. Okay, I, well, I, I, I did nothing but criticize Obama's but like, foreign like. Okay, well, uh, see, I'm mm -hmm. I'm seeing contradictions here because you are on the side of like let's not be too assertive because then we cause World War Three, and then you're just condemning Trump for not being assertive enough. And I mean, the, the issue is not admit, one of okay, the, on. the issue is not one of assertion. It's more because like Trump is an assertive guy. He makes he just he makes bad decisions and they're inconsistent. All of them. Not like, all of them, on, clearly, man. but like, take well, for instance, I mean, we can we can both at least meet on a common ground and say let's not judge someone based upon every bad decision they've ever made. Like, I mean, can we at least give some like common credit where there might be some beneficial policies to to the, the progress of the country? Could we at least try to find some common ground there? Sure. I mean, what What do you think might be common ground with, with well, us? And I mean, you know, on the on a domestic level, he certainly really tried to quell. Let, let's go into a little bit of the violence. Let, let's 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 pull back from the foreign policy stuff. I think mm -hmm. we could get just just thrown into. Okay, we can pivot to, to this. Let's... Yeah, let's pivot to some local stuff. Let, let's let's get into some more of the local things now. And I know you had like I don't know if you really want to delve into COVID that much. I don't care if you kind of do. That's fine. Um, but I, COVID I'd rather... looms rather large for me because my wife is high risk due to a uh, medical condition. Okay. Um, and I also saw COVID killed a friend. Of my, killed both of her parents within a week at the okay. beginning of well, the Well, we can crack into that a little bit if you want, but maybe let's go into some of the domestic unrest for a few minutes and see sure. if we can unpack some of that. Um, and this is, I'll just kind of lay it out the way I've kind of seen it, and you can see if you can kind of correct me here. Um, the predominant amount of the civil unrest is occurring in highly dense urban centers, which predominantly tend to be run by democratic entities setting democratic policies. The, the recent push by uh, BLM movements and other activist groups like them to defund and remove the police has actually increased crime, uh, decreased safety, increased bloodshed, murder, shootings, everything of the like. And these are not being pushed by Trump. Trump is the one that actually sent in federal officers to try. Yeah, and the, the, un, the, uh, the, the the ones without their names on their uniform to black bag random protesters, those federal officers that Trump well, sent in. Let's let's be careful. Freaking Gestapo. Yeah. Let's, he sent okay. Well, let me let me put it this way. Let, let's try to. Okay. Now that we've broken into the protester thing, here's how I look at that. If a uh, if you're part of a protest and a riot backs out, you have three options. You can either join the riot, you can leave, or you can stop the riot. And generally what happens is everyone that's there is a rioter. And this is the thing I think maybe let's pull our heads back into reality yeah. here. My, uh, I got a quick question. Have you ever been involved in a major street protest? Um, yes, I have. Yes, okay, when? I have in the past. Um, it was around, I want to say 2016. Uh -huh. And it what were you, what, in, what were you protesting? What was it with? Um, it was a, it was an activist movement for, I think, um, religious freedoms mm -hmm. for the, uh, Jewish council or something of that. Like, yeah. Okay. So you did a march for religious freedoms. From, it was, it was uh, for religious freedoms. Yeah, yeah. And for, for rights of, of religious peoples in the area to be regarded for their religious rights. And, and okay. Of course and like, did, the was there any things like that? So first off, uh, the things that I'm going to recommend first, were there any infiltrators within that from either the police or uh, other groups that tried to start fights 
um, or tried to get people to engage in illegal. It was, it, no, this one was actually a very peaceful protest. There, there okay. was, I mean, there was there was how a large, little bit of shouting how, about you know crazy you know religious people, but that was about it. There was nothing. Cool. So, so how large was the march exactly? Um, it wasn't huge. I, I would if I I mean I don't know. I mean no one was like tagging the amount of people there. If I was guessing off the top of my head. <laughs> five, 6,000, maybe something like that. Okay. So um, I was heavily active in Occupy Wall Street, like at in New York City on the ground. I was also right. at the very first uh, Black Lives Matter march ever. Right. Um, and uh, I've what I've seen in my street protesting days, I've been arrested. I've, I've had cops throw me into a line of motorcycles. Right. I've had them lie about me and then I've beaten them in court. Like the, the thing is, is that um, with regard to street protesting and, and how things can break out into riots. First, you've got the problem of groupthink. Second, you've got the problem that it's very difficult to leave sometimes if you're in a march and you're with a lot of people packed in. I mean, when we did uh, the N17 march after Bloomberg cleared Zuccotti Park, there was between, uh, NYPD police scanners clocked between 30 and 50,000 people. And it was almost impossible to leave or move at times, particularly well, when the cops had you stopped. So you okay. can't- you, you I appreciate that, Brenton. I appreciate yeah. all of that, and I disagree with none of it, and I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. um, but th th this isn't really equivocating to me because you know Trump is sending out out the police officers after basically civil unrest has degraded to such a level that it's almost negligent to not do so. You know, so so here's the I thing. I mean, the, the problem is the police officers tend to cause more problems than like they they a lot of the times. Well, that's an assertion. No, no, no. I've seen this happen. The, these tactics that when police get violent with protesters, what also, what happens is it escalates the situation. A great example is how Occupy Wall Street started. Occupy Wall Street was a tiny march and there had been marches after marches within New York City and there'd been attempts to do something like Occupy a number of times, but nothing caught on. What happened was some protesters got uh, corralled, got kettled by the police and an officer named Tony Baloney walked up and, and pepper sprayed three young women out of nowhere and that video went viral. And that's what like, that was a spark that set off Occupy Wall Street. We now, during that time with Occupy, while I was involved with this, like you had um, you had crazy people. You had people from conservative groups explicitly trying to go in there, start violence, hurt people. And you had police infiltrators who did the same thing and got caught. One of them who, who pretended to be a protester and was constantly trying to get people to engage in illegal activity and property destruction was later outed while he was infiltrating a biker gang. And in a rage, this guy attacked a family on the West Side Highway. So these people... Uh, like be they cops or infiltrators like they will spark this stuff right and i they'll agree spark it for their own reasons well, the well it, context if we're able to just to maybe for yeah. some in the audience sure. who are wondering Bro how broader this context, ties hold yeah. on, how this ties in with the trump versus biden Sure. My point is, is that looking at the uh, protest from far away and saying, oh, violence happened, therefore, everyone involved in this protest is a rioter if they didn't leave or try to stop the violence from happening is a very simplistic way to look at it. And that's not how it actually happens on the ground. So that, that was my point. Um, yeah. And let, let me let me draw back in there, because I, I think I would just I would just draw the, the opposite position, because, you know, the whole point is that it is is a civic responsibility uh, to me. It is uh, it is all of our civic responsibility 
responsibility to ensure public public decency and public rest and not to take part of it. Now, if, if you have a city that's been burning, I don't know, for, for three weeks with, with just a slew of, you know, police officers fleeing the city, quitting their jobs, you know, not responding to, to responses because they're afraid of being, you know, prosecuted or shot or killed, you know, and the cops aren't doing their jobs. And so all this crime is going ever. So then Trump says, okay, feds, Get in there, get this thing handled. Okay, well, if you're still on the street in a- I, I should add, by the way, those feds that he sent in weren't actually feds, they were mercenaries. Okay, well, whatever. Private, you want to call them private security, fine. Yeah, it's like it's freaking the black thing. They have the same training. I don't really care. The fact of the matter is they're sent there to finally get order back in these urban centers. And yeah, I don't but, know but again, when anyone... they're sending in contractors to do that, those contractors, one, are not trained to do that. What do you think police are? Police, wait. Police or public service. Well, okay, wait a minute. You're saying that those contractors had no military training or, or, or whether they had military training, training or not, you don't one, you don't want to use military force against civilians. There's a reason why we only use a police force against our and why against, the military uh, a yeah, violent, I, you know, uh, vitriolic entity burning the city down? Do you correct. Think, when, when is there a time to use military then, yeah, bro? You use a military against a military. You use a military against a foreign threat. You do not use a military against its own population because the purpose of a military is to kill. The purpose of the police, the stated purpose at least, that wasn't their is to purpose. protect. That wasn't their purpose was to go in there and kill No, but if you, somebody's run. trained to kill and then you send them in to black bag random protesters, you're going to run into a huge problem. And well, this is you happened. don't know what type of training they had. I think you're just- I, I do know that it has been disastrous well, when we no, have used yeah. like Blackwater okay. mercenaries in Iraq that, that led to multiple okay. massacres that had no yeah. reason to occur. Well, I don't know. I don't know specifically. I'm going to have to do some digging on whether or not that's even true. If they it's were definitely private contractors, true. I would, I would look but, it up. Well, I'll give it to you that they're private contractors. But these private contractors, as far as I know, Brenton, Mm-hmm. haven't really been accused of, of crossing the line, at least in my opinion. I mean, it's opinion. crossing, yeah, they have absolutely um, been accused of crossing the line because they're grabbing random people without trial, yeah. without charges Brenton, and holding if them. You're, if you're outside proactively doing things in a war zone with, with, with it's everything It's not a war zone. Burning, it's it's, it's, it's basically a city. It's a neighborhood. You no, know, it's a city that's been set on fire by a bunch of crazy, deranged <sighs> degenerates that are fighting for policy. Okay. Be- so that's fascist okay. first off because no, these are these are these Keeping are people the not fascist yeah no calling Keeping them the not fascist i'm sorry what's not fascist keeping the peace is not fascist absolutely not keeping the peace is not fascist but you can keep the peace the, what you're talking about is you're talking you're acting like these people uh who are involved in protests and riots against police brutality don't be in a protest you're, in a riot zone i'm yeah, sorry just don't do it. It, it that's not how it works riots are like a force of nature they happen as a result of a number of factors coming together, and you might as well shake your fist at a hurricane what for all the point? good it's going to do. What point you know, is Martin Luther pro- King? Riots are, are the 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 cry Dude, of the unheard. What point is protesting during a riot? What what the hell point does that p- prove to anyone? So what's important? I'll give you a case for this. For instance, let's take property destruction. What we have had for century. I'm sorry for for the for for decades for for the the history of uh, the United States is we have had a police force that has been inherently- I'll tell you what, um, I'll let you finish. If I could just interject for a second. Will you sure, just what, what do you wanna, what do you wanna interject? Would you just agree with me here? Once it's a riot, it's no longer a protest. Can we just agree on that? No, it's still a, it's still a really? protest, but it's a protest that has gotten violent. Wow, like, all right, go ahead. The go thing ahead. is, yeah, because, well, it's like, they're not rioting for no reason. 
Like what we have is a yeah, there's never to me there's never a good reason to riot, Brenton. Well, I'm sorry. that's a very privileged position, and that's not you can't say that to somebody who's been pushed to violence like that. Why would what benefit do are they going to accomplish by burning other people's property to the ground and costing them their livelihoods? What what are they sure. accomplishing? What with happens that? is you draw attention to a problem that is being systematically ignored by creating like, more problems. Yes, because it makes the, the the larger society pay more attention. So what oh, happens, this, for okay. instance... This is um, your anarchist he, coming through, is it? A little bit? Well, it's, it, this, <laughs> this is actually me just explaining why property but this destruction is, but this can serve is a symbolic makes value. Right. This is might makes right garbage, Brenton. No, it's not might makes yes, right. Yes, it is. Might makes we're right gonna would cause be if enough I said... Damage. We're going to cause enough damage to get our way, and, we, and until <laughs> we get our way, we're going to burn the freaking city down. That's basically what Dude, you're saying. First off... First off, I'm going to point out that people who are not served by the system do not feel a need to obey that system's rules. And again, the black community has been under direct attack from the police from the time that policing started. In the South, oh, every single police on, force started as a slave catching organization. And come this, on. this, no, no. And this culture continued through Trump's own department of justice. And here's a good thing that Trump's thing did. So you like this, uh, did a, an investigation of the Ferguson police department and found that the Ferguson police department, which had started as a slave catching organization, still used dogs to torture and intimidate prisoners and pe people that they'd caught. And not only did they use dogs in the same way and in a very similar way that the slave patrols use dogs, um, but they only used it on black prisoners. So so again, black suspects, black people that they had arrested, they got subjected to the, to the dogs. White people who did the same thing never got subjected to the dogs. So okay, well, shows, that's, that's a really gross anecdote, Brenton. And that's not just one. an anecdote. It's it every is. single police department. Really? It, yeah, you have no evidence for that at all. That is just uh, your blanket assertion. We, By the way, Brenton, mm -hmm. what is the biggest threat to black lives, police officers or other blacks? Um, I would say the biggest threat to black lives is probably heart attacks. No, I mean, I mean through the through the threat of actually being shot. The threat of actually being shot, um, I think murders. Um, but that's not when you say like black, like the, the black on black crime. That's a miscarriage of statistics and a misunderstanding of how crime works. Oh, the is big, it? Yeah, the biggest threat to any racial group is that racial group. The people who kill the most whites is white yeah. on white violence. I'm Same thing explain. with the Chinese. Crime yeah. happens between people who know each other. You don't just go and murder someone for no reason yeah. unless you're a total sociopath. No, what he... happens is you murder somebody that you have a personal problem with and you have a personal problem with somebody who you know. So obviously, especially with race uh, to the level of informal segregation that we have going on right now, a lot of these murders are going to be within a racial group as opposed to between racial groups. Yeah, but here's the here's the problem. Here's the problem, Breton, is that the the, the amount of death is is disproportionate. You have 13% of the population responsible oh, for 1350. This is Nazi yes. shit. So no, first off, no, no, this okay. is bad statistics this is, again. This is this is an FBI statistic. Yes, this but is it's not... a, it, it, yeah, but it's it's not okay. So is the is... FBI Nazi now, Brenton? No, the FBI is not a Nazi. The interpretation that you're giving me is a Nazi interpretation. It's a disproportionate amount of violence from yes, one very small segment yeah, of the population. Yeah, but it's not coming from the segment. It's coming from the over-policing. And it's also coming from the fact that we're focusing on poverty. Because if you control for poverty, the, the, the discrepancy goes away mostly. Now, this is the important thing when you, talk, when you try to talk about like 1350. What is important to understand is that statistics, there are, there are uh, liars, there are damn liars, and there are statisticians. That was the first thing my statistics 
statistics professor in college told me. The second thing he told me was the true statistic that the average American has one breast and one testicle because men and women are about 50% of the population. So if you take the statistics, all men have, most men have two testicles. Most women have two breasts, average them together, one breast, one testicle. The point is, is that it is as stupid as saying the average American has one breast and one testicle as it is to say 1350. Okay. That, yeah, I don't know. That's not an argument. That was just a bunch of weird mumbo jumbo. I no, don't know it's me. I'm giving that. you an explanation okay. of how to so interpret have, statistics. If, based upon the statistics that the FBI has garnered and said, you know, blacks are 13% of the population of America, but mm-hmm. oh, wow, blacks incarcerated in jail for violent crimes, not minor crimes, Brenton. Yeah. violent you know what they're not just okay. for violent for, for violent crimes but, but they're also statistic- seven per they're seven times more likely to okay. be exonerated of violent crimes that statistic that statistic though of the convicted crimes is is what is applying a to violent crimes not like drug misdemeanors or the like that you might try to yes but into. again they are also seven times more likely to be exonerated so, okay so, so how a, many a, a white man who goes to prison for murder and a black man who goes to prison for murder. Okay. That black man is seven times more likely to be found innocent later on and exonerated, which shows that what's happening here is that these communities are being over-policed, over-sentenced, and that it is a attack by the police on the African-American community, which you, you sit there and you say to them over and over again every year, oh, just follow the law, just follow the law, just follow the law. You think they didn't think of that already? You think nobody ever thought, oh, well, maybe, maybe if I'm just polite to a police officer, he'll leave me alone. Their experience with police officers is completely different from your experience or my experience with them. And so as members of their communities are jailed and put in private prisons where they're, where they're essentially enslaved and made to work, families are broken up, people are killed, people lose fathers, sons, daughters. And then they finally get to a point where they're like, they see a a knee from a cop on the neck of another person that looks like them and that person dies. And they think back to every other time they've seen that and every time they've seen that happen in their community, you really think they're not gonna go out in the street and you really think they're gonna be entirely peaceful and not break a window or something just to show how pissed off they are at the fact that they are living in a system um, that systemically tries to murder and enslave them at every level. This is the problem, Brenton. This is the problem. Is It's very, very hard to take activism seriously when it tries to ignore the elephant in the room to fixate the on, on the, the tiny pony, which is the mass onslaught of black gang violence and killing each other. So oh, if you're going to if you're going to sit and say, hey, if you're going to sit. Sec. I didn't ignore it. I I told you that again. Interrupt you both, but just because I, if you can tie it back to the main topic, I'd be okay okay with continuing. Yeah, let me just let me just go ahead and make it done. So we do have a little while longer before we go into Q and A. So it's definitely we should definitely steer it back to the main topic. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'll just summate. You know, I think that Trump's response was appropriate considering what the Democrats had done to basically create all the civil unrest and all the urban centers. And he's been doing the best he can with the ability that he can with the position that he has. And at a certain point, there are checks and balances for state and local authorities, which he has not very, tried very, very hard to not go against. And in, in the instance, we're basically sending in federal agents to get control of the instances. It's because the Democrats had failed so disastrously to do it themselves. I'll Let's- let say yeah let, let's say you're right about that the cities are still burning so obviously he sucks at it and he has failed to contain the situation 
And I'll, frankly, I'll the buck stops at the precedence. I'll agree with you that not enough has been done. Sure. Yeah. Well, again, this is not a problem that you can police to end. Like the problem is over policing. So it's like sitting there and saying like, oh, my house is on fire. I know what will solve this house on fire problem, more fire. And you toss a bunch of gasoline well, on it. But you saying it's over policing just sounds like a assertion. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm not saying- I mean, there's plenty of, there's plenty of statistical proof that in fact it is over policing. Well, but, but again, but, okay. and we can get into that, but again, that's-, that's Let me ask you something. Let me ask get. you something. Mm -hmm. Statistically, is it true? Where there's more police in an area, there's less crime? No, and where there's more really? police in an area, there's more crime. Really? What, yeah, yeah. Because what happens is, is that when you see, you, they, uh, sheriff looks at the statistics and says, okay, this crime area over here, there's a lot of arrests that I see that have happened here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send more cops there to catch more criminals. The extra cops get sent in, and what they do is they wind up catching more crime that either would have gone unnoticed, <laughs> okay. especially if you do something like broken All right, let's, let's, let's just stop for a second. And then they keep sending on. more and more and more people. This is not a problem okay. that force can solve. All right. So, so I, what I'm hearing, Breton, and this is a little mm -hmm. weird to me, what is the magic number of police? Because I think you'd agree no police is bad and too much police is bad. So, so, so help so me th here this is the fallacy, tell me the magic yeah. number of police. So th this is the fallacy of the beard. The idea that, okay, if I shave my beard every day, my hair will grow just uh, an inch or so, or not an inch or a centimeter. And wh at what point does it become a beard? Obviously, going from one uh, beard growth to another, like I, it, the, the fallacious conclusion is that I will never grow a beard. Because well, again, I'm just looking for you to yeah. assert a policy or something, Breton. Take a stance I mean, on it, and everything is crap, is opposed, and it's all Trump's yeah. fault. Like, if I you mean, want give me to, if you want me to assert, uh, assert a policy, I, I would actually assert defund the police, like they did in New Jersey, and it freaking worked. Because what happened was, was they defunded the police department that they had. They broke the culture of that, the toxic culture of that police department, oh, and boy. then they rebuilt their police force from the ground up. And so they didn't defund it. They, they dismantled it and reassembled it. Yeah, by, by defunding it. Okay, well, okay. If you want to take it around that way, fine. That's how but, def but, this is what defund okay, the police no, is. Well, no, Breton. In the other places, they're just defunding and not doing anything. I mean, defunding like, I, I mean, like they've defunded to a point where the police have stopped even responding to a lot of these calls. People are being murdered. So th that's not actually true because yeah, the defunding hasn't gone into effect yet. The, so I, I hear this a lot went into from effect right. in Minneapolis. In, in Minneapolis, they passed the measure, but the, okay. the budget doesn't get cut until next year. Well, a whole bunch of, of cops fled. And, yeah, and well, I mean, I would, I would figure well, I would okay. flee in that situation would you agree, too. Would you agree that Minneapolis is horribly under-policed right now? Um, I would say considering how awful things were under their police, it's good that it's under-policed right now. So you're saying it's better now? Yes, I'm, I'm saying it is oh, better now. with, with and the I, increase of shootings and deaths, like 140%, really? Yes, because again, wow. those killings were already wow. happening, but they were happening legally from the police. No, no, not even close. Not even close, dude. Now what you have is innocent lives being slaughtered by each other instead of police trying to stop. Wait, wait, hang on. Do you think people? humans are just like, like wait, hang on? Do you think humans are just like chaos goblins? And if we don't have the police, we're just some of them are. And some of them are. Yeah, some of them absolutely. are. Yeah, maybe at most uh, one percent of the population. I think a lot of them in the urban centers are too, because that's what shows. That's what they. Well, do. They, yeah, it's because you're racist. Well, no, it's just what I see. It's the statistics. It's all the yeah, murders you, and deaths because and you have racist neo-Nazi ideas in your head that are driving you to think that way. How, that's not even fair. 
Brenton. You were paid in thirteen fifty. Thirteen. Go online. That look is a up statistic from the FBI that you are just denying for the it sake is, of It is a Nazi meme. Go to the Anti Defamation League. They it's, will okay. list thirteen. FBI is Nazi, according to Brenton, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is completely off topic. Can we? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, Brenton. I think I redirected last time. Let's maybe let you redirect. Go okay, ahead. sure. What we'll do uh, is we'll give you guys mm -hmm. uh, several minutes to tie together the strings of the debate. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Up, wrap up. Oh, yeah, wait, you... wait. Wrap up time. So yeah, wrap up. So go? you go. Okay. So me. Okay. All right. So yeah, just to wrap up in conclusion, I I think really the argument is that there's no good argument to to elect Biden at all. He's a complete and utter dumpster fire. Trump has proven himself while in office and had successes. Now, we can play games with the arguments and the statistics all night long and reinterpretations of the like, but the facts remain. And I could have actually given you a laundry list of additional accomplishments, both on the domestic realm, uh, national security, foreign and domestic trade, which Trump has improved proactively in this nation under what was really a primary stagnated economy that was just sputtering along under Obama with very, very benign and almost worthless socialistic policies that were dragging <laughs> us into the dirt. So, and now that we progress past that into prioritizing the virtues of capitalistic growth, and of course the prioritization of individual rights, freedom of speech and social securities, I think that we are on the path to a beneficial recovery to our country and our economy. And I thank God that President Trump is in office and I pray to God that he will be there again for another four years. And with that, I'll yield. All right. So um, socialistic policies from Obama, Jesus Christ. Like Trump is the one who is engaging in economic protectionism. Uh, Trump is uh, gave out the single largest bailout, just handed money to people like the, the, the American government has just never done that. Like even if you're like an idiot who's like, oh, socialism is when government does stuff. The United States has never been more socialist than it was under Donald Trump at this point. But the the, the the point being here is that, you know, as I asserted, again, Donald Trump, likely pedophile rapist, Donald Trump um, weakened the United States position overall in the world. And hey, what's your evidence for that? I just have to ask. I'm what? so sorry. There, there, there's a there's literally a lawsuit ongoing against him. It was uh, for pedophile for, for pedophilia. Well, it's 13 year old girl. I would consider someone who rapes a 13. year So old. so so there's an active investigation against him. Yes. to give him his okay. yeah, it's Jeffrey. It's well. the Jeffrey Epstein freaking investigation. Like, and again, Trump, good friends with the pedophile, Jeffrey Epstein. So yes, Trump is probably a pedophile. Now, um, we've got going on from there, we have um, the economy, worst economy in American history, except possibly um, the Great Depression. Now you say that uh, Donald Trump um, isn't to blame for that with COVID. And I don't entirely disagree with you on that, but the fact of the matter is, is that Trump made the calls that both maximize the amount of people that would die and maximize the economic damage because he shut down the country and then waffled on it because he's incredibly weak um, and, and waffled on a few months later, basically undoing every good gain that he would have had. So first off, there's that. He's, he's a terrible manager when it comes to the actual economy. Um, but why way, should we, people vote for Biden? Why, why should I'm we just going to say Biden? it was Biden a little is, hey, no, 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 You cannot interrupt me right here. You, we can talk about this later. Um, so you wanted so me fair. to make a positive case for Biden. And Biden is a monster, but not all monsters are the same. Biden has one sexual abuse allegation. Trump has dozens of them. Trump literally, uh, you know, Trump 
tried to sleep with a mobster's daughter for Christ's sake. And, all, and the only reason that he was like dissuaded from it was the mobster threatened to rip his balls off. Um, Trump, uh, as a as a manager, as a president, has been nothing but a shit show and has been purposefully sowing discord within this country to drive us to this point where these riots are breaking out. We know this from his own statements. We know it from their statements. He stole children. And those children will grow up and some of them will become gang members and prisoners. And that will happen because they were brain damaged by this policy, because their parents who were fleeing violence and coming here legally as asylum seekers, the kids were literally stolen from their arms. So again, if Donald Trump is reelected in November, America will be over. I guarantee you, it will be the end of us as a people and people like you will have directly enabled it. Thank you. We will jump into the Q&A. Can I just so, say one thing real quick, real quick? I think that if you... Just real was, quick. Were the quick times statement. equal or did... Sure. I just think it was unfair to yeah. throw in COVID in the closing when it didn't even come up in any of the discussion. I said I was prepared to discuss it, but I think leveraging that in the closing was a little skeezy. I'm just going to... I mean, I just it. brought it up because you were excusing his economy by COVID. Right. You, you okay. specifically cited I was his ready economy to as an accomplishment. It. I was ready to discuss it. I think just kind of throwing it in there as a leverage position was a little... I, I, again, okay. I needed to address your argument about the economy. Right. But l l let's go on to what we've okay, got. Let's go what on. I'm going yeah. to do... I do apologize you're not getting a chance to talk about it. That that does suck. I do want to send these questions over to Dwayne, which I am doing right now. And also want to let you know, folks, if you have not seen it already, we're excited for several things. One... At the far right of your screen, if you haven't noticed, Modern Day Debate has invaded the podcast world. Really exciting stuff. This is in addition to YouTube, and so not exclusive. We'll be doing both. Also, very excited as I have linked in the description, basically a Dream Debates Google Doc. So anybody can access it and add ideas to this document. So you could say it's a community document. This is our way of saying we would love for your hand to be on the steering wheel of where the channel is going and what things we host. So, Dwayne, I am sending that list over to you right now. And we, yep. by the way, folks, Dwayne and I will be alternating and reading the questions for this Q&A. So I will first read the one that came in. This one was, first of all, appreciate it, from none other than... John Maddox, who says, don't miss the epic after show will kick off five minutes after the debate ends and there is an open mic. So sounds exciting. Thanks for that support, Jonathan and Dwayne Burke. Let me know what we're doing is starting from the very bottom of the list and then working our way up. So in case that email takes a while to get over there, I'm going to read the next one from yeah. Thick Earl, spelled T-H-I-C-C. Appreciate that, Thick Earl. Says, why are Trump supporters and anti-Biden LARPers too cowardly to show their faces? People in the chat are doing this too. If the left is brave enough to show their face, why aren't you? Um, ask Antifa. I, we've been wondering why they're too afraid to show their faces, too. There's lots of leftists that are afraid to show their faces. And frankly, the reason I don't show my face is because you people are bat crap crazy. Well, I mean, okay. So, well, well uh, we can well, talk about. By the way, Antifa is not necessarily black block. 
Antifa uses black block tactics, but not all Antifa people don't show their faces. Only people who are engaged in doing black block uh, violence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, violence, property destruction again. Yeah. 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 That's a tactic that protesters use. I would say it's a oh, it's yeah. a tactic rioters yeah. use is what I would Go say. Go ahead, Dwayne. Yeah. Two seconds. Just coming up. Dwayne is in Great Britain, so if he's a little sleepy, <laughs> Dwayne. Oh, so <laughs> oh it's is, like three in the morning or something over there. Or something he's staying awful. up late to help us. He just loves to support the channel, and it means I'm a there. ton. So we yeah. appreciate you, Dwayne. Yeah. Well, while he's getting that, I'll just mention because it, it's it's a pet peeve of mine. Ninety percent of Antifa activity is peaceful. Uh, people focus on the black bloc stuff and think that black bloc is Antifa. And you'll see like Republicans seem to have this idea that like Antifa is like a paramilitary for the Democrats. It's just simply not the case. I think they're recognized as a terror organization now, aren't they? I mean, it's not. Trump keeps saying that, but it doesn't mean anything. All right. Yeah, I guess not. Rick. Raven Zero, thank like you. It's not an organization, chat. anyway. It's like it, it, oh it's yeah, it's just a bunch of LARPers, Renton. right? It's okay, that's a decentralized. Keep going. Well, unless you we can talk about that later. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do an anti oh, debate. Let's, let's have a conversation <laughs> on my channel about COVID, Brenton. Let's do that sometime. <laughs> I wouldn't mind talking on your channel sometime. Sure, bro. Let's uh, yeah, do that. It's, it, things got a little heated here, but you seem to be. A, besides, the, and I'm, you know. You, Besides, I'm fair. I, I promise I'm fair. I promise yeah, I'm fair. About that's it. I get that sense from you. Nice. Raven Zero, thank you for your super chats. A question for Brenton. How is the economy that bad? What do you mean? How is the economy? Like, have you, have you seen it? Like the economy um, after the COVID shutdown, it dropped like, hang on. I was actually just looking at this. Can you make a case without using COVID? Just wondering. Um, well, a case for the economy. So I can make a case that Trump had almost nothing to do with the economy doing well, because the way the market works in a neoliberal capitalist economy is that the market always goes up, like overall. Individual stocks drop, but because of the way that capitalism requires there to be infinite growth, the economy will always grow and will always surpass all, all conceivable records until, until there is an inevitable crash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, once the, then there's a period like what we had in 2008 where things are really, really tight for a couple of years, and then the market rebounds and comes back stronger than it was before. I think it took a lot longer. Than that. All right, that we will go to the next one. Thanks for your next. question. This one comes in from Steven Steen. Nasty guy says... He was, he was willing to pay $5 for this. Says, I'm writing in the sexiest man live, James Coons. Coons, G-Man 2020. Well, thank you for that. Sir. <laughs> we'll go to the next super chat uh, from iPhone Musings. Thanks for your super chat. We've got a super sticker. Thanks so much. Brainy Beaver as well for your super chat said, you are smoking good drugs if you think Trump has created respect for America on the world stage. Remember when allied leaders laughed at him recently? 
Yeah, I was actually speaking specifically about the uh, the newfound respect we have against terrorism in many regards, and the fact that some of these these horrible things that were supposedly planned against us, that some of these generals were planning, have not actually been able to transpire. That's what I was specifically saying. Now, as for respect, yes, there are some kind of weird lefty countries that are currently burning and undergoing their own economic ruin that think that it's okay to laugh at Trump and mock him in his successes, but they're just doing that in their own sophistry, so that's irrelevant to me. What Macron, do I care what Macron thinks about Trump? No. You know, you, you might want to care about Mac what Macron thinks about Trump, because as much as you don't care about these other nations, again, these are part of a strategic alliance that we have, which is NATO, which has been the only thing that has kept the Russians from advancing since, like, the end of the Cold War. Like, well, the, yeah, the, but the, I the, think... The, the fact of the matter is, is that one of the reasons why... Vladimir Putin wanted Trump in charge was that he would damage our relationship with these allies and he'd start complaining about stupid shit. Brent, like, yeah. Would you agree that we just shouldn't give a crap about what extra foreign leaders care about who we select as our governmental ruler? Because let's face no, it, I can go, okay, well, I can go down the list of anecdotes of, of different countries, I'm sure, that had issues with Obamas and leaders that had issues with Obama and the like. No one's ever going to please everyone. Yeah, so if you're the, just going to go down this road. The issue isn't personal. The issue is the fact that that strategic alliance is degrading. And as, as awful as NATO has been and in a I lot don't, of ways. Okay, I'll agree um, with you. By the way, I'll agree that it's degrading. I am not going to agree that you're going to place that solely on Trump's feet. Well, like you can't that. place it solely on Trump, but he's he, he's definitely to blame for a large portion of it. For instance, the fight he picked with Germany. Well, over we'd have GDP to have a separate it. debate. Yeah, yeah we'd have to have a separate debate about the benefits and negativities. Originally, of this targeted Smokey, so we'll jump into the next one. Dwayne, the floor is yours. Ju yeah, thank you for your super chat, John Maddox's uh, statement. Oh my God, the level of projection from this guy is mind blowing. Don't miss the after show; it will be epic. The Trump derangement syndrome is nuts. <laughs> what's, oh, what's that really must be ironic. talking about me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's really ironic is that, like, one of the things that I, I actually took that Adorno fascist test, and I scored exceptionally low in projection in projectivity. So like objectively, I don't project. Um, now what's interesting though, is I scored a little too higher on the cynicism and destructivism end. I was like, oh, well, I learned something about that, <laughs> about myself. You freaking art anarchist. Yeah, I knew yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. I'm dramatic. <laughs> Thanks so much for your question. Jim Benton asks, Brent, Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of the National Guard and who has the authority to use them and for what? Heads up, maintaining domestic public order is part of their responsibility. Thanks, James, for the debate. And I pass that thank you on to Smokey and Brenton. You guys really appreciate you being here. By the way, folks, they're linked in the description below. So go ahead, Brenton. Yeah, I mean, the, the National Guard is used for uh, riot control. Uh, and, and a number of other things. They're also used in disaster um, uh, relief, though they don't always do a good job with that. Um, but again, like what Trump was sending was not the National Guard. He was he sent in black like people who were not identified by their badges. They didn't have any badges, and they just grabbed random people off the street in I think it was uh, Seattle or, or Portland and held them without charges. Like. And a lot of them were not even trained federal agents. They were uh, mercenaries in the pay of the government. So it, it was a really disturbing thing that he did. You got it. 
thanks. John Maddox, thanks for your... By the way, I would, I would like, if you could, I'm so sorry, Dwayne, if you could maybe, I would like a reference to where you're saying that they're private contractors, because all I've sure. ever found is that they were federal agents. So if you have a reference, maybe you'd send that yeah, to absolutely. me. Yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely. I'll shoot it over to you okay. uh, if I can find it. Yeah, thanks, uh, John Maddox, for your super chat. Brenton, do you think all cops are systematically racist? If no, how then is right and justified? Okay, so racism means a, a couple of different things. And all cops are, a system is systemically racist. A person is not systemically racist. All cops are not racist. I find cops break down into usually thirds, um, like one third of them just want to get through the day. One third of them uh, like are honest people that want to help their communities uh, and protect people. And one third of them are like bullies and sociopaths that want to hurt people and get off on having the power of the badge. The problem is, is that when the, the third that is actively malicious does shit that's wrong, the other two cover for them. And if one of the good cops steps up and tries to say, this guy's a psychopath, what happens is, is he risks his life because the rest of the police will attack him and give him dangerous assignments and sometimes outright murder him. So cops, like cops in America as police departments have a culture of racism that is present throughout the rest of the, the entirety of at least the South and a lot of the North. And that's why I think a lot of these departments need to be defunded and rebuilt from the ground up with a new culture so that we don't run into these problems. You got it. And thanks for your question. This one comes in from John Maddox says, <laughs> Brenton, do you support the Cloward Piven strategy? Also, don't miss the after show. It will be insane. I, I, no, I don't know what the Cloward Piven strategy is, so I I would have to look that up, figure out what that is, and then give you an answer. If, if it helps you, I don't even know what that is. So. <laughs> gotcha. We'll jump to the next one. Gabriel K. Oh, go ahead, uh, Dwayne. Uh, I haven't got that bit. I'll read it. Do it. Gabriel K. Thanks so much. Says, let me pull out my privilege cards. Me. A gay atheist, illegal immigrant, support our president. Don't call us N-A-Z-I-S, period. Instead, uh, tell us why we should back Biden. Why are we so reactionary? Um, okay, so that, that started out as a really stupid thing to say and then actually turned into a really good discussion. I don't give a crap what your identity is. I don't by liberal identity politics and it doesn't make it if you actually have some minority status but are still a reactionary that happens like <laughs> sorry but um why are you so reactionary uh because of the contradictions within the liberal capitalist system the fact is is that the economy has to grow every year the way that the economy grows is by pulling more and more money out of wages um that pe people have like the, the easiest way to turn a high profit in the short period of time is to cut wages and cut benefits and outsource. Um, and uh, what happens is, is that a lot of people get left behind by this. But because the United States left was completely and utterly dismantled uh, during the McCarthyist period, because we were afraid of the Russians, uh, and we were afraid of communist spies coming in, you grew up never hearing the actual problems, never hearing the actual truth. So then what happened would be, um, you know, uh, some fascists and reactionaries came in and gave you a little bit of the truth to elucidate the problems, but then blamed it on the Jews. 
rather than like the actual issue, which again is global capitalism and the fact that it is a garbage system that is currently imploding. You bet, Dwayne. <laughs> doesn't doesn't come through. Oh, that's right. Hold on. I'm so sorry, buddy. I'm I'm like behind on sending them. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I will send the ones that have come in. In the meantime, I will read the next most recent one. Jim Benton, thanks for your question, says Trump wanted our allies to contribute more to defense. I would expect a socialist to appreciate contributing your fair share to the common good. The issue is not the fair share. It wasn't like everybody had this like pot that they were pouring money into. What happened was was that NATO had a list of like goals for them to hit, and these particular countries were, as a goal, supposed to invest a certain amount of their GDP within the military. Now, if they don't hit that goal, that's not necessarily a problem, and it doesn't cost the United States any money. It doesn't hurt us. And especially since it was happening during peacetime, I think it's all right to come in a little lower than what you have. I think we should probably spend a little less on our military in the United States as well. I, I think we spend way too much on it. But um, uh, the issue was, was it was a non-problem that Trump turned into a major problem that then degraded our soft and hard power over the world and damaged our relationship with our allies. Gotcha. Just follow on with the next one, James. Did you get the last one from Jim Benton? Because he sent two, so I sent you the second one. I think you just read that one, didn't you? You just read us a one from Jim Benton. He sent two, though, so this is oh, the second oh, one. Oh, okay. Deuce. Is that how you say two in England? Deuce. Deuce. Okay. I will sometimes say deuces. No. When I... <laughs> what, I, what I'll do is, while, oh. while it loads, Dwayne, did you get it? I will read the next one uh, while it loads. Yeah. So, Animated Effigy, thanks for your question, said, Can a country be a democracy if not everyone can vote? Can a country be a republic if all citizens don't have the same rights? Is our USA 55 years old? Um, I don't know about the 55 years old. I think they're right in the sense that uh, you can't rightly consider something a democracy when you do restrict the right to vote. And I think that the right to vote needs to be uh, it, it, you know, put out. I would say it's still a republic because republics have always restricted and uh, kind of... Um, tried to maintain minority control over the political levers of power. And even in America, they tried to do that because the founding fathers were out of touch aristocrats um, that feared the common man actually having liberty. And you can see this in their writings uh, and a lot of them, except for Thomas Paine, who was the best of them. Um, so, you know, I think that as the country moves forward and we talk about ideals, we need to expand voting for as many people as possible. And we need to chip away, uh, at Republican democracy and replace it with more direct democratic mechanisms because our, these leaders that we have, they're going to be the death of us. You got it. Thank you. <clears throat> our next one is from... Who is it? Jim uh, Benton. Oh, Jim Benton. Jim Benton. Who has the authority to activate the National Guard, and why did they not use them? Is the person who can activate the National Guard responsible 
for the training. Thanks for not answering my question. I mean, what I would say about the National Guard is I'm not sure exactly like the command structure of who can activate it and when, but I can say that it's not always a good idea to activate the National Guard because a lot of the time they can make things worse. Um, and also like, the, like they're, they're not even really all that well trained oftentimes. Uh, a good example was in New York during Hurricane Sandy, like the um, uh, Occupy Sandy outperformed both the national guard and the red cross and in fact like i th if i'm not mistaken uh i think that the the red cross like literally was like you're doing a better job of getting this food and these supplies out to people than us and just handed it over to occupy sandy whereas the national guard tended to just stand around with guns uh when what people really need needed was food and blankets and shelter Gotcha. Can Our I ask next... you, friend, just real quick? May I? I'm so sorry. Would you consider the National Guard military? Um, I, I they're like in like a weird. It's like the Coast Guard and the National Guard. Like they're technically military, but they're not trained in the way that like the Army and the Navy and the Air Force. Well, and doesn't the, that kind of mess Marines up your are. point about how you don't use military on you know? You know I mean, only on a only only on like a pedantic level. Um, because we, we consider them part of the armed forces, but they're obviously very, very different and trained differently than, um, than our military. Like, it, it literally forbids the use of uh, American military against American citizens, like in the Constitution. Like that's the, the founding fathers knew like just how bad that would be and what a shit show it would be if you tried to put the army in control of a city. Gotcha. We will jump gotcha. into the next one. Thanks so much for this question from American Madhouse says, question for both. If you could pick someone besides one of these two people to be POTUS, who would it be? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Jesus Christ. Thank you, Smokey. Oh, I, I I thought something was coming after that. You're saying Jesus, <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. No, it was. The... Yes, I was actually saying Jesus Christ himself. I was not making a vulgar expression. Yes, <laughs> no, I was saying actually Jesus Christ. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know how good he would be at actually ma managing a modern nation, but points on that one. Um, as for who I would... I threw put... you off on that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. I was like, what, what's he going to say? <laughs> Um, who I would put in charge of this? No one. Absolutely no one. I would actually, if I had my druthers, I would remove the office of the president and we would no longer have a president. We might still have an executive branch um, because I do actually like the, the separation of powers, but I would prefer to see a parliamentary system that did not have a prime minister if we are still doing like the liberal democracy. Um, I think, you know, the nation likes to go and elect a, a special guy every four years. We seem to really enjoy that for some reason. So we could still do that and have it be a ceremonial position like the Queen of England or something. But um, I think that there is way too much power within the executive office and power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. So I think the best thing to do is to destroy the office of the president and never elect another one again. Gotcha. I think, uh, let's see. You know, but if I had to put a person in, um, I'd Siddhartha Gautama. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, uh, Dwayne, if you have a new one, go so, for it. Sorry, yeah. Our next super chat, uh, thank you, Gabriel K. 
Why would we spend billions to defend Germany and the EU when they won't arm themselves and use us like Jess? Um, because we own most of the property in the world and we are the primary empire. We have military bases in Germany. We have military bases all over the world and have never really fully de- uh, uh, we, we've never fully disarmed since World War II. Like, so we defend Germany against threats because that's what happens when you're the big dog on top of the mountain. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, there is uh, the way we're doing things right now there, the United States empire is in decline. There are two other empires that are looking to take our place. And when we fall, one of them will, and it's either going to be Russia or China, and neither one of those, with all of our faults in the United States, um, both of those countries have such shoddy human rights records and are so heavily authoritarian. I think it would only be a bad thing to have uh, NATO be overwhelmed by some kind of Sino-Russo uh, empire. Gotcha. And let's see, we do have a, another super chat. This one comes in from our dearest friend, Jim Benson, by the way, great name, Jim. And this question is two seconds loading. Oh, we had another one from John Maddox. So Jim says, I will help you out. It is the governor of the state that activates the guard, Brenton. Free $5 lesson for you, James. Let's see. Appreciate your support. I mean, I could have just Googled that afterwards, but Jim thanks for spending $5 on it. Jim, Jim is savage. I like Jim. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I have no idea how that's supposed to even be insulting. Next up, uh, let's see. I'm going to send one over there to you, Dwayne. But in the meantime, John yep. Maddox strikes again, saying, Brenton, passe comitatus. Am I pronouncing that right? Pos comitatus wasn't passed until 1878, not in the Constitution. Also, National Guard mm. is military. Obama sent 43K to Iraq. Your ignorance is amazing. I mean, again, if I was confused about the exact, um, uh, the, the exact origin, time of origin, of that policy. The important thing is that the policy is in place and it's an important policy. So that's again, a pedantic thing, but thank you for correcting me on that uh, because um, you know, nobody knows everything. If I um, may just real mm -hmm. quick, um, yeah. just as a quick interjection, like, and I just bring it back to the whole military component. Like, so if the national guard was used as a military force, does that make a military or like, cause like, I mean, they're primarily used for local stuff, right? Yeah. So, but, but we have used them for foreign stuff. So I mean, the point is, is that a police officer's duty is to protect property and a uh, military's duty, primary duty is to kill people. So it, it, again, like there is a reason that we have these as separate institutions. Because well, but Brendan, I'm sorry, but we've sent people to do things we've sent military personnel to do things that isn't killing people. So, I mean, I, it's a little. That's yeah, a little but like that's not their that's not their purpose. That's them doing an extra thing. Um, again, if you if you take well, military people and you put them in a city like and tell them to keep the peace, they're going to treat whatever they think is a, a potential threat as an enemy to kill as opposed to a citizen to protect. And the militarization of the police and the creep of military budgets and military culture into the police is another reason why we've had such a problem with extrajudicial killings by the police. It's your question, so I'll leave that lie. 
our next super chat. Uh, Jesus is Lord. At, at modern day debate, question is for Smokey. You won the debate, that's why liberals are afraid to ask you questions. Will you vote for Baron Trump? I'm not a liberal. In fact, I would say Smokey is more of a liberal than I am. We might have to get Jill on Questions. here for a good old Trump versus Biden debate, by the way. But go ahead. Oh, uh, that would be awesome. Jill would be. Yeah, that would be awesome. Sorry, ahead, that uh, question. Go ahead, Dwayne. That question was for Smokey. Oh, I, no, it's fine. I, you know, no, we're, wait, what was the question? Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. That's it okay. was. It was uh, more of a comment, I think. Yeah, no, there's another. Bit, bit Kelly a, Miller. Kelly, yeah, there's another one. Kelly Miller. At modern day debate, I beg of you to make Smokey define socialism. Oh. I, I want to hear this. Uh, define <laughs> socialism. Well, I've considered it to be the economic arm of the communistic type of movement. So, um, I, well, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but as I understood, um, basically socialism is the the acquiring of all of the personal property putting it under the state so your personal works and efforts are all ultimately owned by the state in a very socialistic type of economy everything is kind of and no one has more than others except for the elite so everyone basically has the same amount in the same economic spectrum um if that i mean i don't have like a scholastic definition of that if that helps can I correct him? Because that was really no, go incredibly ahead. Go wrong. Ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So first off, communism and socialism. Um, social. They both are political and economic systems like uh, capitalism. Communism is actually more of a state of society that um, it's an ideal that has been reached for by socialist movements throughout history, um, though, though it predates even the, the Marxist uh, ideas. Um, what you described is kind of the like baby's first version of the Soviet system, which was socialist for a very short period of time and then devolved into what's called state capitalism, which is what you described, where the state own is the is the primary property owner uh, within the, the society. Socialism, the definition of socialism that I use is worker ownership of the means of production, which means socialists and socialist movements work to make sure that the people who work a job own the company that they work for collectively. Um, it, it has both state versions and non-state versions. So a status socialist might say um, what we need to do to get workers to own the means of production is to elect people to pass laws that say the workers now own the means of production. Um, right. Whereas an anarchist like myself uh, from the libertarian socialist tradition says, no, what we need to do is eliminate the state entirely. And once the state is gone, it will no longer be able to protect the capitalist claim over property that they themselves do not possess or use but own by right of the state granting them that right so if you get rid of the state what then happens is is that the property naturally falls directly into the hands of those who are in control of it and use it every day which is to say the worker so you eliminate the military and the police entirely you replace them with nothing jeff bezos goes to amazon and says give me all the money that you owe me uh, that you've made for me and amazon says yeah, Jeff, I think we gave you like way too much money and you're not really doing much. So we're going to keep it 
and uh, fuck off, and you can't do anything about it. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure where any of that was was saying I was wrong, though, Brenton, because like I, well, I mean, you... really, I pointed the picture of it being a, a, the socialistic component of what could be a communistic movement, and you just want to say no well, because there are there are there are socialists who are not communists. Let me finish. I do yeah. want to. I do. I think we. I do want to move to the next question, just because but, we don't want to get well, bogged down because we do have okay. several others. But I just okay. Well, I don't see I, where that was actually correcting me at all. But any, okay, whatever. So we, communism we, is we, a we, is a we'll move stateless, to the next one. classless, from soci- moneyless Bart society. Yeah. Three, four, four. Thanks for your question. Said, this is for Brenton. Throwing someone out, someone out of a window is called called defenstration. You're an author. Words are your job. <laughs> Words are my job, and that's a really great word. But sometimes uh, I try not to be overly verbose when I uh, discuss things because it can come across as uh, arrogant and it can alienate people. And I'm talking to a lot of people. So sometimes I will use simpler language, uh, but you are correct. You got it. Our next super chat is from Corporal Puffer. Thanks for your super chat. Canada's GDP is bigger than Russia's. Time of them being a contender for top dog has long gone. Whoa. I mean, the GDP, yeah, but Canada does, I don't think they have anywhere near the military capability of Russia. Um, you know, uh, they have not traditionally also been expansionist. They, they, like, they did some terrible things and continue to do terrible things to uh, their native peoples. But, like, Canada is not an empire, and I don't think they're going to look to become an empire anytime soon. I think they're happy doing what they're doing. Gotcha. And... You guessed it. John Maddox has another question saying, Southwest Airlines is owned by employees. Is it operating as socialist or capitalist by definition? Um, so I would have to look into Southwest Airlines. I did was not aware that it was a co-op. Uh, co-ops are socialistic, but they still function within a capitalist framework. So by definition, it's capitalist. And I, be, if I'm not mistaken, and I can be corrected on this, um, if it is a publicly traded company, which is uh, handing over money like on the stock market to investors, it's definitely capitalist. Gotcha. Thank you. Our next super chat is from American Madhouse. Thank you for your super chat. Question for Smokey. If Jesus were president, how would he handle the riots? <laughs> I, you know, I think if Jesus was to come back to be president, he would be coming back to be a ruler and judge of the world. So there wouldn't be riots. There would be judgment across the board. So thank you for that. Wait, did you just say, you. so you want doomsday? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for an end of evil eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that ain't going to happen. Think, think and I'm going to tell you exactly why show. that's not going to happen. You, you can't evil and good are oh no no don't break into that bro because that's a whole debate because we're not going to get into the Cartesian problem of evil right now okay Okay. perhaps someday we'll save that morality debate for a little death yeah that might be fun we want to say thanks so much everybody for your questions for hanging out with us and thanks to our dearest moderator, Dwayne Burke, one of our European friends. We, we do always I, – I, one thing we want to do more often, it's hard for me to do daytime debates, but I wish that way we could be live for our European audiences. We really do appreciate you guys. I, so anyway, thanks so much, Dwayne yeah, Burke, representative of Great Britain. He's, he's speaking on behalf of all of Great the Britain. The queen. So thank you very much. And also – I cannot, I'd be crazy to not thank these guys, 
both Smokey and Brenton do so much for the channel. They're really big supporters. And also, I want to mention, so I, we really want to give them a huge thanks, reminding you folks, they're linked in the description. So if you want to hear more, oh, you can hear more, because they each have their own YouTube channel linked below. And I have to say, I am stoked. If you love politics, folks, Brenton has arranged an epic debate for next week. It will knock your socks off. I'm envious. So Carissa, actually, I'm, I can't make it. Carissa is going to moderate it. So I can't be there. And I'm, seriously, I'm like envious. And I'm, but it's honestly, if you guys, if you have not seen next week, it is honestly going to be one of the most epic tag team debates that we have maybe ever had as American Johnson, non-compete the YouTuber, and Brendan Langle will be teaming up. And this is going to be against Dr. Michael Humer and also Dr. David Friedman. Whew, long day. So we are stoked for that. So thank you, Brenton, so much for reaching out to our new friends. Uh, yeah, and guys. thanks to D David Friedman for being so gracious to do it. He's one of the smartest right libertarians out there, and I'm really excited and a little... Um, uh, a, a little on edge just because I know he's probably going to give me more trouble than most would. Yes. You know, the funny thing is I thought as I was thinking about it, I was like, are you sure about this, Brenton? I was like, I, that's one where I'd be like, Oh, that's going to be a toughie. So I'm excited for, for the stars, man. Hey, go for, he wants those thousand subs. I would do the same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to be epic folks. So we've really got another fun. super chat in James. Oh, okay. You bet. Thanks for letting me know that Dwayne. And thanks so much folks for all of your support. Thanks uh, for your patience as last night we, very embarrassing, we had a, a little glitch meltdown, but let's see, this this one came in from James Labrado. Good to see you, James. Thanks so much. Said Smokey, is Trump some kind of genius or has the Democratic Party just been failing horribly? In other words, is the left losing the culture war? Yeah, I, I think they are in a sense that they seem to keep being willing to jump the shark. And I think as long as there's a predominant number of rational, reasonable, you know, people in the country will be okay. As soon as a majority of them are just, you know, crazy leftists, then we'll have a problem. But yeah, I think, I think if we can actually, you know, rely upon our stances of facts, statistics, truths, you know, things that are progressively beneficial for the country and continue to promote it. Yeah, I think we will win the culture war yeah so um I, i'll just jump off that the democrats are not the left the, the american democracy is an eagle with two right wings um and the democrats are essentially the diet version of of, of the insane trumpians um and in fact their policies are closer to 90s era republicans they have not gotten further left and for evidence of that you only have to see how they railroaded bernie sanders uh, who anywhere else would be a centrist um, th there is no real left in the United States. It was destroyed uh, during, as I said, during the Cold War. Um, now, as for like the culture war, conservatives always lose the culture war. The culture has long, long, long been in a uh, more uh, revolutionary direction. And that's just how culture works. Conservatives, however, have been able to use and win the political war. Because the one thing that I will say is the Democrats do constantly fall on their face and do not understand power. They do not understand how to rule. Republicans understand how to rule. They're just also stupid and evil. 
Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, I'll, I'll finish off on that. Um, the Democrats have been pure uh, social and political cancer for at least probably the last decade or so. Yeah, I won't disagree with um, you on that. <laughs> all, of their, all of their policies inside central urban cities and in general governmental infrastructure have been, I, I would say, far more detrimental. I mean, you, you keep been. bringing up the central urban cities. Like, there's going to be more conflict where there are more people, and there are sure. always going to be more people in and cities. And that's why that's they. And that's why they need to be run very, very pristinely by intelligent, capable people. And what I've been seeing is a complete and utter failure of the domestic policy level in in, in cities cities that have been run by Democrats for near 40 years, like Chicago, where there is constantly just a a failure in terms of addressing crime that other, other areas that have more Republican representation do not suffer the same. I mean, there's plenty of of Republican run cities that are having issues. That's not really the problem here. Uh, Not these types of issues, sir. I mean, even take New York City. New York City is Democrat run. No, Democrat run, but New York actually skews right. And you had uh, Bloomberg, who ran first as a Republican and then as a, as a skewing right is irrelevant yeah. if everyone. And you also had freaking Rudy Giuliani in charge of the city for like freaking uh, for for two. two and that was a great least. time, and crime it was, was a terrible was time. <laughs> crime was lowered significantly. And granted, you want to make an argument against stop and frisk being a bad policy, fine, but crime did go down. So I mean, if you want, yeah, stop and frisk was a monstrous policy. I I, okay. I, I saw that with my own eyes. Fine. But um, we can have an argument about that. But you yeah. can you can have to admit that statistically Giuliani was good for crime. Crime crime went down. I mean, no, he wasn't because he also made serious budget cuts to, for instance, stuff like um, uh, mental hospitals. And so what you had was all these mental patients were suddenly out on the street as um, homeless people. That's and a that's lot of them a problem were dying we and committing crimes. Yeah. Well, and getting that's a dr- problem we have. Everywhere, drugs. and that was a ma- yeah. Well, that's yeah, a but it was a problem of- he specifically made worse by 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 cutting. Anyway, my my point is is that like it's a false comparison to try to say because first off, rural poverty is is brutal and evil and i've seen way i would rather be in like the inner city of chicago than some of like the like the 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 republican controlled like rural shitholes uh throughout. Hey, but sense does yeah. that make brenton because I've seen it myself. I've lived, okay, but I, yeah, I don't I've accept lived your anecdotes, shit. I've lived in, bro. I, I've, no, no. Again, it's not just that. You, you. There is data backing this up. The extreme poverty, for instance, in Appalachia, is as bad, if not worse, than the extreme poverty in the cities. And people are still murdering each other and trading drugs. Like, I mean, like just the the, the prescription drug crisis. Yeah, dude. A poor management in in a in a poverty stricken center will be bad for people. Yeah, we can agree on that. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit and say that that Republicans across the board are always good. And I'm not going to say Democrats are always bad. But in a normative case study of looking at the majority, I would say that is probably a normative case. I mean, what I would say is, is that saying that that the this is a problem in democrat run cities and therefore it is a problem with the democrats and not the republicans is just taking advantage of the fact that conflict happens when you put a bunch of people in a pressure cooker and if these were republican run okay. cities it would be just as bad in appalachia they have a little they have a very very small it's a very rural community like you said they have so have a few parts per million so are you is your argument that they have a lot of crime comparable to chicago which i think is if the popular Population were or, yeah. Or you're like, saying proportions? You're talking proportions? I, I would say proportionally. I would need to get the data on that. But like for instance, um, I, I lived in a tiny Kentucky town. 
Um, and this town was, it was one of the top places in Kentucky for sex crimes. Um, a kid that I went to uh, high school with was murdered and buried in a cornfield somewhere. Um, a uh, Another, my friend's little sister was nearly beaten oh. to death. And it, this kind of thing Let happens again and again it, in small okay, town America. Is it easier? Is it easier to mitigate um, crime in a rural region or or in an urban center? What What do you think is ultimately probably? Easier? I mean, you have more resources to bring to bear in an urban center, and this is also what's important to know is that the rural center they take their problem people and they send them to the cities. Uh, particularly, that's why you don't see homeless people in rural communities because they buy them a bus ticket and send them to a city. I disagree. I grew up. I mean, in this rural, li rural it literally happened. We had plenty of homeless people want to let uh, you know okay well maybe my town was too small for it or maybe they didn't do that thing well okay. i was in california and that was a common thing i we okay. have and we've about as california we've had homeless people everywhere but yeah rural they would go to because they could go into the rural areas they could set up their forts and their tents and their whatever stuff no one would bug them you know they could just be out there in, in the land and doing their stuff but in in the urban centers it's a completely different setup so it's just it's a weird conflation to try mm -hmm. to draw the crime statistics from rural to urban and say yeah. well because the republics in in the rural aren't covering their particular brand of crime as proficiently as they should it's still not comparable anywhere close i mean my, my issue is centers. is that I mean, my, again my, my issue is that i don't think the actual violence in these areas is necessarily like a partisan issue as much because again it's what happens when you put people in a pressure cooker under the conditions that we have in capitalism and it's right. not going to matter if it's a Republican city or a Democrat city. Now, if they have a particularly good mayor of either party, maybe there there, there might be some mitigation in one way or the other. But at the, at the end of the day, we have a system that runs on keeping people poor. Um, and you, we've got issues like, for, for instance, the fact that the average American family before COVID could not afford a $400 expense. And this was within the, uh, this was to the advantage of the capitalists, because when you are kept on the knife's edge, um, you will be more likely to bargain less for your wages and be more likely to accept a job, any job and stay with it and not be choosy about who you work for. So the thing is, is that we have a system that runs on keeping people desperate, and we're seeing that break down with regard to COVID. Okay. Um, I don't remember whose question it was, but I guess I'll just <laughs> yield. We can what on. I want to let you know, folks, is a couple of things. One, I have linked John Maddox's after show in the description box, so I'm sure that will be juicy, especially if you love late night streams. And also want to let you know, I have already read we have a lot of people already basically letting us know at that google doc which is in the description for this debate letting us know what their desired debate topics are if there are people who would like to debate whether or not covid numbers are exaggerated that's something we would like to host if there is someone who would be interested in debating whether or not climate change is real please for either of those topics if you email us at moderndaydebate at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you in terms of trying to set up a debate that you could be in. Also, oh, James, by the way, could I always clarify one last thing with Brenton For sure. on the socialistic thing? Because he kind of said I did a garbage time, you know, uh, <laughs> defining it. I just wanted to ask, like, is it fair to say that maybe if I, like, it's fair to say that socialism is both an economic and political system 
as well as an economic theory because like you were what you were saying like there could be countries that aren't necessarily communistic that could be socialistic or have socialistic policies yeah, capitalistic I, countries. so sure. like if i was describing something that was closer to the economic theory as opposed to the practical economic and political system which maybe the definition was looking for is it could you at least give me that i, I mean I, here's the thing so there are Marxist economics. There is Marxist economic theory. I'm just asking Marxism if you can give it to me as opposed to saying that I just did a garbage time. Uh, I, you know, you know what? I shouldn't have said it like that because honestly, you do seem to be a, a fairly informed guy and you've you, you've put up a good fight here. So I wanted to kind of take my hat off to you. Um, you know, this was... But just to say if you could give me credit for maybe I was, I was describing something closer to the actual economic theory as opposed to its practical real life application. I, I, would I mean, my problem with what you described was that you described it as like socialism is the economics of communism which seems to be a um like a, a conspiracy theory that socialism will always become communism and that communism is some kind of like creeping jewish no it was it was more about you would never have i i would say more like this you would never have communism without socialism you might have socialism without communism is that um, no, that's not, well, that's not entirely true. That's the, that is sort of the Marx Leninist idea of using socialism as a, like the, the Marsh. It's, it's the framework. It's the yeah. framework to, to support the infrastructure. Yeah. So, so what you said is, is, was kind of correct in the sense that like, if you just look at Marx, right. Marx specifically said, okay, first we had feudalism and feudalism turned into capitalism right. and then capitalism will turn into socialism and then socialism will eventually turn into communism. Right. right. That's Marxist not really history. what I was trying. To yeah. present. But but communism existed be like humans have been communist in the sense of a classless, stateless, right. moneyless society. Oh, of course, um, like before the rise of the state, like, of course, yeah, right. we were all communists. Of course, absolutely, yeah. No, we were. We I would say we were in communists right before we probably reached tribal type of lifestyles. I mean, mm -hmm. I think once we started passing off into understanding the necessity of governmental hierarchies, that we started to have to make tough decisions like uh, that. I'd say about understanding what type of... is less, more or less, being forced into. Well, but it's slavery. like it's it's like when you well, but when you ultimately have a group of people and you then you kind of have this collective decision to establish a hierarchy whether it's a monarchy king or government or whatever for the sake of the better benefit i mean that's generally the only reason you do it but then you have to make that tough decision do you keep the predominant amount of socialistic structure that we had in our individual group or do we pass it off and do we move to something else that's more of a you know generalistic you know hierarchical uh, capitalistic system, or I don't even know, uh, maybe yeah. one of the turf systems. Uh, this, um, this is probably one of the most, I almost wish the debate had been about this because this is kind of the most um, right. cohesive. Maybe, maybe we like can have that be a well, let's, let's, you've been. I'll actually. tell you what, <laughs> let, I'll tell you what, maybe we can have that be a part two. I, we should have like a part two and a part three, Brent, and I enjoy you, man. Let's let's yeah. do this again sometime. I'd say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, thank you. You were, yeah, you were really great here and I can tell you're a smart guy. Um, what I'll say is- um, And you too. I appreciate you as a fellow wordsmith, so I Thank appreciate you, yeah. that. Um, and on the on the note of words, uh, David Graeber, who who just passed away unfortunately of COVID, uh, wrote a wonderful book called "Debt: The First Five Thousand Years," and it talks about uh, the rise of the state and the rise of coinage and money and sort of the the, the move from primitive communism into uh, like feudalism and ancient empires. And I would highly recommend if you want to understand socialism and especially the non-Marxist currents of socialism read that book we are stoked to let you know folks what we are doing right now is i have linked maddox's link 
in the live chat as well. So that should be an epic post-debate show. And thanks for your last super chat. Coming in from American Madhouse says, question for both. If you had to guess, what do you think James is voting for? Ooh. I think James is voting Green Party. I, oh, no, Red Party. He's a communist. James is a communist, I think. Mr. Doubtfire. <laughs> Mrs. Uh, Doubtfire. I'm going to guess that James has principles and ethics, and therefore he will not be voting Trump. <laughs> That's juicy. All right. So we are really pumped to have you folks. And this is a good opportunity to let you know whether you be a Trump supporter, a communist, you name it, gay, straight, Christian, atheist, every walk of life. We really do hope you feel welcome here, folks. And so with that, we will be signing off, and we hope you guys keep sifting through the reasonable from the unreasonable. Take care and have a great rest of your Friday.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.